Coming live on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. A new day brings new topics. Our sports talk brings extensive debate and analysis by the host, expert contributors, and callers. We discuss it all. Join us weekdays at 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. Good evening. Welcome to Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. This is the professional contributors uh, with coach with hosts uh, David Riley, Tim Moore, and I am Kevin Walker. I'm filling in for Princess Cooper tonight, uh, so she is uh, traveling. So we're going to wait for Coach uh, Coach David Riley to go on and uh, Tim Moore. And uh, we're going to discuss uh, we're going to discuss college football. We're going to recap uh, last week's games, some big games there. Also, we're going to we're going to preview uh, this weekend's game, some big games uh, this weekend, the big show between uh, Ohio State and uh, and Michigan uh, as well. We're going to bring in uh, uh, we got uh, Tim Moore here waiting for Coach Riley to get in. Uh, Tim Moore, how are you doing this evening, sir? I'm doing well, Kevin. How are you, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Bringing in Coach Riley here. All right, uh, Coach, uh, your mic is open. Take it away, Coach. All right, uh, you want to bring the guys in? We're ready to go. Yeah, yeah. We'll bring up, open up everyone's mic here, Coach. Sorry about that. We'll open up everybody's mic here. All right, just one moment. Get everybody on here. All right, take it away, Coach. Everybody's mic is open at this time. I want to start off with my brother Larry Tuesdale. Larry, what we got for open mic tonight? Ooh, well, first of all, what's going on, fam? Good to be here. Um, hopefully princesses have safe travels. You know, I have an open mic. It's somewhat of a dilemma. I didn't know if I was going to end with it or begin with it. And it's um, <laughs> it's Deion Sanders and his recruiting um, and the effect that I'm not sure if it's the losing he's blaming, but we he is blaming the, the possibility of going to another college as losing some of his recruits. I think he's lost uh, the wide receiver Watkins. I think he lost the lineman. Um, and he's reached out, or at least publicly, maybe without saying names, reached out to some of these coaches, high school coaches and college coaches, who are spreading that rumor. He's saying there's nothing to it. But uh, it looks like that could be uh, problematic to me, along with the losing and losing recruits. You know, he, he might have lost some of his cachet. Uh, and, Larry, and, that's, and, I, and I hear what you're saying, but I doubt it. Yes. That, okay. That, you know, the thing is, for him to lose a guy not even in uh, the guy that's going to Missouri, uh, which yeah. is a three-star, you know, okay. I don't really believe in the, the stars. And I think Carlos, I think we all kind of talked about that before. I, I really don't think that's a big deal. He's going to get who he needs to get, you know, by losing the, the, uh, losing the receiver, you know, that kind of hurt, but he got all them guys coming back, maybe except for one or two. Uh, I don't know how much that's going to really phase uh, him, but yeah, that's what they do. If I if I'm a college coach, I say, why would you go there when speculation of him losing? People do that, and he should expect that. And and the high school coaches, he's not everybody's cup of tea. We all know that. That's on that's on the uh, thread. So I, I think he'll be okay. I, this is right. me personally, and somebody else, you know, you guys are welcome to jump in on that. I, I, I don't think it's a big deal to lose uh, one or two recruits and stuff because 
we we both all of us know he's going in the portal again. Uh, Hope we get both of that line then, or both of those uh, offense and defensive line. Oh yeah, he he he'll get somebody out of the portal. Carlos, what you got for us? Open mic, what you got? Yeah, well I'm I'm kind of echoing some of the same sentiments, but I'm really looking at the NCAA, and we could we could bring it down to just Dion and the situation going on there. But I really think it's bigger than that. I really think, and I've said this before, I think it's just a loss of institutional control over the whole NCAA. I mean, the NIL, the portal, all of that stuff, it's kind of like just out of control. There's no structure, no order. So I can just, I can pay a kid $10 million dollars but I don't have to say you need to get an education also. I can just push this money at you, and then you leave the school in two, two and a half years, and go with your money. I didn't educate you. I didn't teach you how to do anything other than play, allow you to play this game. So my gripe is with the NCAA and, and, and showing not enough control and I have to go back to what I think is the key to all of this. We need to still be educating these young men and women in this country. If I can real quick, Dave, uh, you know, I heard somebody mention this about a decade ago. If they're really, if institutions are really concerned about their athletes and just not on the field, as Carlos mentioned, uh, because the graduation rate is so uh, abysmal. Um, if they're on a full-ride scholarship or film scholarship, after they finish their fourth year of playing ball, they should have an extra year for, in order to, get, to continue to get their education if people are really concerned about them. Um, in, in most they places, they, they bring in enough money. They don't want them to graduate. They want them right. to be dumb. They want them yeah. to just so, not know anything, yeah. not know how to handle their money, not to know how to handle business and end up giving their money back to them again. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. I, yeah, there's no real concern, obviously, because there are many ways that you could factor in their education, you know, specifically when they don't have the hustle and bustle of, of, of running a Division One or Division Two, any football, running that type of schedule. So, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you there. Okay, uh, Tim, open mic. Tim, what you got for us? Well, I, um, I had several things were on my mind, one of which Larry Larry touched on, but I'm not going to get too deep into that, uh, the, the Dion thing, because I think he has done some good things, but I've never been on the bandwagon. Uh, I think Carlos is sort of feels similar to I do. Uh, but all I'll say about that is that, um, you know, I watched him play the other night, and they don't look like the same team. And I'll maybe touch on that a little bit tomorrow. Um, the Jordan Travis, situation really bothered me a bit. Uh, I I think I mentioned on the program maybe two or three months ago that I had concerns with the way that people were tackling. Uh, That that drop hip uh, thing where they grab a guy up high and then drop all their weight down on the ground like that. I said at the Mm -hmm. time, I didn't say it was a dirty tackle, but I said it was a dangerous tackle. Um, 
I was reminded when I started seeing it of the the Bo Jackson's uh, dislocated hip. Yeah, that's what it reminds you. Of. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Bo and Jackson. This, and they outlawed Yeah, that. this thing with 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 Jordan Travis, it was just an ugly, ugly situation, and. I think it has a lot to do with the way guys are tackling now. And, and if that, they need to look at that, the rules committee, because that's a dangerous way to tackle people. Very dangerous. They're not taking people on anymore. They're grabbing them from the side up high and then just dropping their weight down on people's lower, lower body. And um, that's a good way to dislocate joints, break legs. Uh, it's just a dangerous way to tackle. It bothers me. Doug, can I okay. can I echo something here? So, if you look at USA football and the way they're teaching to tackle now, if you we were all taught to lower your hips, head up, right, and take take your head across the body and run uh-huh. through the player. Okay, yeah, run through. That's right. The way they're being taught now, you cannot teach put your head in front of the body anymore. So it's like rugby style is what they're calling it. So you go head towards their butt and wrap up, and then that's where the sliding down the body is coming from. So let's think of this. You got people, big people running fast, and when it first started happening, uh, the Jets coach, Salah, and some other coach says, I'm afraid there's going to be more injuries with the way things are being taught now. Yeah. Because if you have a 6-4 tight end, and I have to put my head to his butt, and he kicks up, and kicks you in your chin, or any of those things can happen. So many more things can happen with you going behind his body with limbs and things moving. So I just wanted to give that picture of that's the way USA football is teaching tackling now. If you put your head across the body and that person concussed, then that player can sue that coach that told him to do that, the school, all of that stuff to be implemented or part of it. So that's the way it's being taught now. Does the targeting rules, the new targeting rules, have any impact on the way they're tackling now? Oh, yeah. So so targeting, <laughs> that is – We've seen some old schools where you would applaud a perfect tackling, but these people are, are, are being kicked out of games. Well, yeah. see, the, the, see, the targeting thing is, is a little ridiculous, too, because I saw a couple weeks ago a just absolutely perfect tackle. The guy, the, the DB lowered his shoulder. He came Colorado. into the guy. Yes. Yeah. He hit him yeah. with his shoulder in his chest. Okay, where's my head supposed to go? My head is going to go forward. So if I make any kind of contact, and this guy didn't even make contact with his head. His head went over his shoulder. So he didn't make contact, but it was now sometimes they're calling just a solid hit 
because it's just a solid and drops you, they're calling it targeting. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think the play. parameters of what targeting is are too gray also. Hmm. Okay. Hey, well, open mic, what you got for us? Yeah, Coach, I, I didn't have anything, but this is a very interesting topic, so I, I definitely want to chime in on, on this and, and, and the tackling. I think um, whoever posed the question, I think it has a lot to do with the targeting, um, you know, as far as, um, you know, guys going down low, and we've seen the uh, the, the James Daniels, uh, I mean, Travis, uh, excuse me, the, uh, the Travis uh, injury there. Uh, for sure, and I think you just don't have time. And all of it is in, pitch, in a picture perfect world. Yeah, you do lower your hips, you put your head to the side, and, and you square up. Yeah, in a picture perfect world, when you're teaching it in camps and you're teaching it in, in different type of clinics and in practice, yeah, that happens. But in the heat of the moment, when when that ball is snapped and everyone's going about 100 miles an hour, your your priority or your main focus is getting that player down by any means necessary. You know, I you know as a as a player and when, when I played defense in, in high school, I got I mean I, I was only so big, so depending on your size, you know, and depending mm-hmm. on the guy you're going up against, you know, you're going to get him down. You're going to go low because that's where you feel like you're going to if you get to get their feet from under them, their legs from under them, you know, and you're you're a smaller guy then you're going to – that's what you want to go at. That's what you want to target. You want to get those guys down. Now, that, that tackle that uh, that happened against Travis and, and uh, Tim, you make up it, – it, it is a dangerous-looking tackle, and we've seen it from time to time. We've seen it with Jimmy yep. Garoppolo. We've seen it with Trey Lance. You know, we've seen it with with, with Tony Pollard last year in, in, the, uh, yeah. in the NFC Championship. We've seen it. But it's in the heat of the moment, so these guys are starting to think, I'm got, I have to go low because I have to stay away from the head. Because for one, I don't want to get, I don't want to get kicked out of the game, and two, I don't want to get, I don't want to get fined. So they're looking at it as going as low as they possibly can. At this point, if we ban, if we ban going low on these players, um, they, if the NCAA or the NFL bans these guys from going low, the next thing you have to do is either play flag football. Or play two hand touch. I mean, that's the, that's the next. I mean, that's the only thing that I can think of is to try to eliminate these these injuries. So, um, I mean, great points there on, on from everyone uh, for sure. Again, I didn't have anything to talk about, but I, I really like this topic because I, it was something like, what are we supposed to do? What are these players supposed to do now to get these guys down that they can't go high and they can't go low? I mean, it's very hard to just fo- uh, to hone in. On these guys, they're not ro- they're not robots, man. They just can't just stop what they're doing and just put be in perfect position and have the uh, perfect form tackle. So it's very interesting to see how they're going to handle this. If they're going to change anything going forward, uh, for sure. Okay, and I think and real quick, Doc, I'm sorry. And K. Well, I think that's even more complicated by the yeah. professionalism that athletes show to each other by not going low at their knees. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that kind of limits the space, that target area that they're able to hit. So I think that's well, the where area we're at right now. now. Is, the area now is b- below the shoulder line and mid-thigh up. So that's basically where you can hit. It's like, yeah, a, yeah. It's like about an 18 to 22-inch area that they're saying to hit. And it's really the worst when defensive linemen get through yeah, sack a quarterback because they mm-hmm. they it's like stop. They go oh shit yeah. oh where can I hit him? Yeah. And it's so many more plays that continue because the defensive lineman just stops his body like oh I, I can't really hit him you know. Um, the defensive tackle for the Chiefs 
last year. He got a penalty, just sacked the quarterback and didn't put his whole body weight on him, stopped his weight as he went to the ground. They still threw the penalty flag. Then he sacked him again, and he literally laid him down on the ground. Now, that's, like, absurd. That is basically you might as well play flag football with the quarterback then. Right. All right. Uh, Doc, open mic, what you got? Well, you know, I was going to go in one direction, but I guess I'll I'll stay on the topic of hand. I I, I do think it's interesting – I know most of you guys are, are defensive players, so I was more of an officer player, that um, how they're kind of taking hitting out, and maybe some of it is because of targeting, I'm sure, um, especially at the college level, maybe the time spent as far as, you know, being in pads and how many days they can hit and that kind of stuff. Um, but I think it's interesting that they, they, they're taking that out of it, but they're kind of like almost like highlighting um, like offensive guys hitting defensive guys. And I know that, that – um, um, you know, on Get Up, they have that pancake with Jeff Saturday, and they're showing, you know, defensive guys getting blown up. I mean, there used to be a time when offensive guys were getting blown up by defensive guys, and, and that was, like, you know, the highlights. And then they've kind of taken that out, and now it's almost like they kind of go the other way and, um, you know, showing offensive guys basically doing similar things that defensive guys were doing. Hey, uh, Doc, do you think maybe uh... – the defensive line should bring pillars and just lay them down, put the quarterback on them. Uh, I think it. I think that's the case. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, I guess like I said, you know, weeks ago, as far as you know, the quarterback play is so poor that they're trying to make sure that they, you know, the quarterbacks in general don't get hurt, especially the uh, the better ones. But yeah, to everyone's point, I think you know we're going in a direction where it's. You know, they should just keep their red jerseys on like they do in practice in the games, too. Okay. All right, Doc, I want to stay with you. What's your, what's your top five this week? Okay. So, um, I got Georgia number one. I got Ohio State number two. I got Washington number three. I got Michigan number four. And then Oregon number five. Okay. How about you, K-World? Who's your top five? All right, this week, Coach, I got uh, number one, I got Georgia. And, again, and, and until someone's able to beat them, they, they have to remain there. Number two, even though I believe they're the number one, they should be the number one team in the country. But I know that will probably play out, um, you know, this after this weekend. I know we'll talk about that. That's Washington. I, I got Washington Huskies there. I think they're a very underrated team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So I, I'm going to go Washington number two. I'll go Ohio State three and Michigan number four. I know that'll change, but I'm going to put Oregon at number five uh, for right now. And on the outside looking in, which I think they'll be there because of the Ohio State-Michigan outcome, is Alabama. I think Alabama's playing some some unmentioned football, some good unmentioned football, to be honest with you. I think they'll be back in the uh, in the mix of things. So right now I got Georgia one, Washington two, Ohio State three, uh, Michigan four, and Oregon uh, five. Okay, Tim, what's your what's your top five? Yeah, I'm gonna echo Ric Flair to be the man. You gotta beat the man. <laughs> and Georgia, Georgia has been the man for the last two years, so they're number one. Uh, I've got Michigan at number two. I still have Florida State at number three. I dropped them down from two to three. Um, 
I've got Ohio State at four and Washington at number five. Okay. Uh, Larry, what you got for us? Yeah, Georgia is still number one. Um, They've been the most consistent this year, although, you know, not blowing people out. I have Ohio State at number two, who I think is just as talented uh, as Georgia. Um, Number three, I've got Washington there, although I do have some some, some questions regarding their defense. I'm not sure what it would look like if they play in that uh, college football playoff. And number four, man, man, I'm still going to put them there with Florida State, uh, but that becomes very iffy after this weekend and that injury. Um, Michigan at number five, I still have uh, some concerns about them. And I think K-World mentioned this. I don't know if they find a way in, but if Alabama finds a way in, I think Alabama is as good as anybody up there. But they'll just have to wait for some losses. But Florida State, that, that, that may change. They may drop them out immediately, uh, depending on uh, how they bounce back with their quarterback play. Okay. Uh, Carlos, what you got for us, Carlos? All right. I got some changes in my top five. Uh, I got Georgia at one. Oh. I got, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got <laughs> Ohio State, which I did have at one. I got right. them at two, but I still think they have the, should be the Heisman Trophy winner, Marvin Harrison Jr. I think he's the best talent in the country at position. I have Washington third. I have Florida State fourth. And it's been mentioned twice already, but I got Alabama fifth with their only loss to number seven, Texas. I have Alabama fifth. Okay. All right. I'm going to stay with you, Colin. Let's talk a little bit about that UNC and uh, Clemson game. Your thoughts? Well, you know, um, I think this was ACC game of the week or something, but it was – a back and forth, a, a good fight early on, but it just seems like Clemson kind of looked like the Clemson of old a little bit when they, they took like a 14-point lead and they just kind of kept moving on them. So um, I didn't really know which way this was going to go. I thought Clemson would prevail as they did, but um, I thought it was going to be a closer game than this. It, the first half was close, and then Clemson just kind of pulled away. Okay. Uh, Larry, your thoughts, Clemson and UNC? Yeah, yeah Carlos kind of you touched on it. This was <clears throat> what I expected, and I'm not sure the score is indicating of, of, of how this game is played. This was a close game all the way through. Um, although Clemson would hold them at bay, there was always an opportunity for it, it appeared that UNC to come back in the game. But if you look down the entire way, there was no domination by Clemson. I just think that that blue blood of Clemson being Clemson, they held on to it, and I'm not sure UNC had the horses to overcome them. But a great game and, and a much closer game than the score indicated. Okay. Uh, Doc? Yeah, I think, you know, Clemson, um, as was mentioned, as far as kind of blue blood, they, I think they just knew they could beat UNC, and they were confident going into that game. Um, I think UNC, UNC needed more from Drake May, especially on the road. But you know he couldn't really make the plays that you know they could he, that he needed to for them to get over the hump. And I think once Clemson kind of took the lead into half, 
I think it was kind of one of those too much to handle for the Tar Heels to come back from. Okay. Uh, Tim, USC Clemson. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with everybody. Uh, I think North Carolina, you know, because I, I thought early on in the season North Carolina was playing as good a ball as most teams in the country. Um, you know, not not Georgia and Ohio State and, and Florida State, but they were playing really good football. But they have sort of done kind of what Colorado's done. As the season has gone on, they've faded a little bit, uh, although they've got a lot of talent. Uh, and uh, and I think Clemson has done the opposite. They've started to to really start to come on the last few weeks, and uh, um, and then maybe Carlos uh, mentioned it uh, that they just they were deeper and just had depth that uh, North Carolina couldn't stand up to late in the game. Okay, what about um, you, K. World, UNC Clemson? Yeah, I'm gonna make it uh, consensus, Coach. I I, I um... I thought it would be a different outcome, to be honest with you. I thought the score would be similar, but I just really thought that North Carolina would win this game. I just didn't believe in, in Clemson and uh, and Cade Klubnick as much as of a fan as I was <laughs> a few seasons ago. He just doesn't seem to be living up to the billing of a you know a starting quarterback. So I had my reservations on him in that in, in this particular game. I really thought Mac uh, Mac Brown would outcoach uh, Dabo um, in this game, but um, you know it, it, they prevail. You know it, that's the reason why you play the games. I really thought North Carolina was playing some really good football up until this point. Looks like Clemson is right now is starting to to play at the right time. Maybe a little too little too late, uh, nonetheless. But uh, they stepped it up. But I really thought North Carolina was going to win this game. Uh, to be honest with you, going in, coach. <clears throat> Okay, we want to stay right with you. You got Oregon State and Washington. Ooh, that, yeah, that was a good game, Coach. And um, yeah, as I as I mentioned, Washington is 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 arguably, in my opinion, playing the best football. I know Georgia is undefeated; they're 190 and 0. <laughs> but uh, but um, yeah, I, I do like the Washington game. Uh, this game, uh, I, the reason why I'm impressed with Washington, especially in this game, because when you when you talk about the Pac-12, you generally talk about offense, and you don't talk about defense when you're talking about Pac-12 uh, teams. But Washington has played some really good football, especially last week when they shut out Utah in the second half, and then they only give up 20 points to uh, to Oregon State, and Oregon State is a you know high-powered uh, offense, um, and they was able to hold them down to 20 points. The weather, the weather maybe have uh, been a, a factor in that, but both had to play in that. But um, Pinnock did an excellent job of, of being a leader, hitting the guys um, when he needed to. And that defense, I can't say enough about that defense. I think it's the most underrated defense uh, in the country. And then some, someone mentioned, I, f- I forget who it was, but, you know, m- maybe it won't, you know, hold up if they do get into the playoffs with some of those teams. But at the same time, and, and those teams that you mentioned, like as of right now, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, um, you know, if they had to place one of those three, twing, uh, those three teams, I don't see those offenses being as prolific as an Oregon State or an Oregon. I won't put Utah in there, but Utah does have a good defense. I mean, good offense uh, for sure. So I, I thought there would be. I, I thought it would be at this type of game, and I really thought that the outcome would be the outcome because I, I am high on on Washington. Okay, uh, Doc. Oregon State, Washington. Yeah, you know this. This is you know a rainy Pacific Northwest type of game. You know this yeah. time of year. Um, needless to say, I wouldn't have been there. I don't do rain. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, how much passing that was happening. I mean, they were throwing the ball all over, all over the field. And, you know, I was looking at it, and so Penix and DJ, they had similar numbers in completions and attempts. But, you know, Penix had two TDs and DJ had two interceptions. And, you know, in addition to the turnover difference, Penix made this rose that he needed to make, and basically DJ didn't. Um, and I also think, you know, as Kay Ward just said, I think the Washington defense stepped up when they needed to, and, and they played better than they did last week. Okay. Uh, Larry. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. Uh, you know, Penix was, was clean on, on the stat sheet, uh, while DJ had the two interceptions. I thought it was a close game. And then the other factor is, and I mentioned this earlier in, in, in the week, uh, that the wide receiver, I think he separated himself for, for Washington. He was a target and somebody to count on the entire time. He had two t- uh, TDs also. So between the, the, the turnovers and having some consistent play at the quarterback and wide receiver position, I think uh, was, and it was still a really good close game, was the difference in that game. Uh, the weather was probably, the game was probably impacted by the weather, but it's about appropriate for what I thought it was. If it, even it was dry, I thought it would be a close game like that. Um, and Washington will pull it out. I, again, I know, you know, some people think that that defense, I'd like to see, you know, when they really get tested on that defense. Although I have to say, all these games they have been tested and playing well. So maybe I've kind of undervalued their defense. And if that be the case, you know, they're ready for that, uh, for the playoffs. Okay. Uh, Carlos. I think um, the difference in the game was Washington's offensive line. Pennick said at the end of the game, hey, I didn't get touched. So he played clean, and he made the big play, the big throw when he needed to. And I think Washington's defense then just stepping up and making plays when they needed to. Uh, They played big-time football on both sides of the ball. And I think that's what the difference was. The offensive line made the difference. Great game to watch, though. Okay, uh, Tim. Yeah, I think I think all of the guys just kind of said everything that I would have said, except uh, the only thing I'd say is just two good two good football teams. That pack that pack twelve or whatever it is that's going away has some good football teams out there this year. And look, it just makes you wonder. From the Pac-12 to the Pac-2, that how 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 special this year was for them, losing a lot of the you know teams to different conferences. Uh, right. Want to stay with you, Tim? Let's let's talk about Utah and Arizona, which uh, few of us took Arizona and some took Utah. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think you and you took Arizona and maybe one other person, but uh, I was stunned. I, I was stunned, and and I, if I'm not mistaken, they played them in um, in Provo or in Salt Lake City. Um, and, no, it was in uh, Arizona. No, they played them in, in Arizona. Arizona. It was Arizona. Oh, yeah. yeah, I didn't see that coming, Doc. I, I didn't see it coming at all. Um, and uh, I mean, that was a beatdown. Um, <laughs> didn't see it coming. Okay. Uh, hey, world. Yeah, I was the other guy that picked the word. I mean, uh, Arizona. So that's so just. For the, for the record, <laughs> I call him a desert swarm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, yeah, I, I thought I just don't know what Utah team you were going to get. I didn't know, you know, wasn't sure. I thought that, you know, they were, we were going to see that same 
second-half team that we saw in the previous week against Washington, as I as I mentioned earlier. Um, just don't know what that Utah team – there's such an enigma to me. I, I couldn't put my finger on it. So I knew Arizona was playing the most consistent ball out of the, out of the two, uh, and Arizona was home. So that was my logic for picking Arizona, to be perfectly honest with you. But uh, Arizona, you know, it put it on them, and, you know, they, they may make a case of saying, okay, well, uh, we shut – I mean, uh, Washington shut them out in the second half um, last week, but we only gave up 18 points, to, you know, to them this game. So, um, yeah, I, you know, out of these two teams, I thought since Arizona, again, was one, they were playing at home, and two, they were playing the most consistent football. There's a reason why I uh, I went with Arizona, uh, to be honest with you. Just can't put my finger on Utah for whatever reason. <laughs> All right, Carlos. Well, wow is what I want to say. Um, you know, I've been a, a Utah fan for the last couple of years, tough, rugged, aggressive team offensively and defensively, and I'm going to be honest, Arizona was not on my radar. I didn't see this happening at all, and they just smoked them. I mean, Utah didn't even look like the Utah that we have grown to really like in the last couple of years. They didn't seem aggressive. Offense or defense, they didn't run the ball well. They didn't make plays when they needed to. This was just a complete beatdown. So, heads off to Arizona. Okay, Doc. Yeah, I, I agree with everyone said. I mean, Arizona jumped out on Utah quickly, getting out to a 28 nothing lead and basically coasted to the final. Um, I think that Coach Fish, he seems to be having that program going in the right direction. I think it's his third year. Um and, and as uh, Carlos has mentioned, I think this is probably one of the few times that it didn't look like Utah was ready to play. Um, I don't know if it was the back-to-back road game that caught up to them or, or what, but um, it was almost like a role reversal. I guess you and Kay Will were right in picking Arizona last week. Okay. Larry. Yeah, I'm going to defend my choice. Uh, I, I had Utah. <laughs> I think they're a, a great program. But unfortunately, when you're playing at that level, you know, especially away from home, you need your starters there. And they had three starters out on the defensive side, and that showed right away. Um, and then when you're, you've got Cam Rising not on the offensive side, you, I don't think that you can lose key players like that and continue to play. I think they ran out of gas. I, I, gas. I think Utah showed that it is a really good program by sticking in most of the games that they have. But we can see that they're running out of gas and players. So I, I, I kind of understand why I didn't know the three players would be out on defense, and then they just ran away with that. Um, but I still think it's a good team. Uh, Arizona did what they were supposed to do um, with everybody out. So kudos to them. All right, staying right with you, Kansas and Kansas State. Pick this one. We said this was going to be a close one. Um, in-state rivalry, it was everything that I thought it was going to be down to the wire. Um, I, I don't even know what else to say. I, I think I picked K-State to win this one. It was going to be as close as I thought it was. Got some people over on Kansas playing. Um, great game. It, it, everything that I thought it was going to be. Yeah, we all say it because we didn't know what uh, KU, who was going to report back. And the freshman came in and kind of did his thing. What, what, what's that UK world? What's happening with the Kansas Kansas State? 
Yeah, yeah. As you mentioned, Coach, we just—I just didn't know what uh, to to think of K State. That's why I said I, you know, no rock chalk Jayhawk for for them uh, mm-hmm. on Saturday for sure. So yeah, I went with Kansas State again. Another another game, even though they were playing on the road. Um, and um, as they mentioned, someone mentioned um, it's a um, in-state rivalry. Uh, so even though Kansas was on the uh, Kansas was at home, excuse me, I just thought K State was playing the you know the, the better football up until this point. And I just you know I just kind of like Utah, I just couldn't put my finger on, on on Kansas. And like you mentioned, Coach, we didn't know who their quarterback was going to be, so that's why I went with Kansas State. And um, and this was a really good game. I mean Kansas, I mean Kansas was really in his ball game. They were up late. Kansas State had to make a, a late run in that game uh, as well. I, I had my eye on this one uh, for for sure on Saturday. Very entertaining game uh, for sure. So um, that's why I went with K State and and they came through. But uh, K State, I mean Kansas, um, you know, showed a bigger fight than I thought they would. Okay, Tim. Yeah, I kind of agree with everybody. It was a, it's a really good ball game. Um, I picked Kansas State to win it, but I uh, was actually hoping that Kansas. I was pulling for them. Um, good ball game. Good ball game. Okay, uh, Carlos. So I think this is one of those games. It's been mentioned in-state rivalry where where the records really don't matter. I mean, I think these two would just go at it toe-to-toe just because of the in-state rivalry. Um, I think I picked Kansas to win here, but, you know, we knew they had the issue at quarterback. Um, But still a hard-fought game back and forth, and K-State prevailed. So that's it. Okay. What about you, Doc? Yeah, as everyone's mentioned, the the Sunflower Showdown – it was a very entertaining game. You know, Kansas, they had to lead most of the game, but Kansas State, I think they have, a, you know, had a formula since Snyder was there. Coach Kleiman has kind of continued in that history, you know, is running the ball, playing good defense, don't beat yourself. And, uh, and I guess beating Kansas. I, I didn't know this until I kind of was doing, trying to do a little prep work for the show. You know, Kansas State has beaten Kansas the last 15 years in a row. Kansas hasn't beaten Kansas State since 2008. So we should have known yeah, Kansas State was going to win. Yeah, I didn't either. Okay. I was shocked when I saw it. Okay. What, what you got for us, Tim? What about those games on the twenty fifth, Tim? Yeah, let's let's jump into that. Uh, we've got some big ones, uh, some 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 big rivalry games, and uh, uh, just some some really substantial matchups that are going to be consequential in terms of who gets into the playoffs this weekend not the least of which is two undefeated top five, top four teams, uh, Ohio State and Michigan. Let's uh, let's get uh, Larry Tisdale's take on that, Ohio State and Michigan. Ooh. You know, I've liked Ohio State. I, I still i am not sure Ohio State um, has played in a, a, a game in its entirety yet where they're clicking everywhere. But they have so many weapons at every position. Although Michigan is playing well, I like Ohio State. I just think in Michigan, to their, to their credit, probably within the past two years has the athletes, at least in my opinion, to run with Ohio State and Alabama and Georgia. But I like the way Ohio State is playing. Um, I, I think Marvin Harrison shows, you know, if he's talking about the Heisman, it needs to be this week because they want to hand it to Bo Nick, um, the 12th-year senior. 
Um, so I'm sure, you know, they're going to come out and have a big day. So. <laughs> That's what I was <laughs> Okay. Uh, Doc Basil, uh, you know, I, I lived in Columbus for 10 years, and this is absolutely just a, a football crazy time of year. They just call it Michigan Week, and people in businesses mm-hmm. all over the city answer their phones, uh, go Bucks. Uh, you know, just whatever businesses. Um, but uh, uh, this is huge this week. They're both in the top four. Uh, Michigan, for the first time, I think, uh, matches Ohio State talent-wise. In fact, a lot of people are saying that they've probably got more pros on their team than Ohio State does this year. Uh, what are your thoughts there? They're I in think they cross, out the, they cross out the M's uh, in, Mich- in, in their stuff too, right? Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> that I, team I'm up not north. sure what to think. Yeah, the team up north. I'm not, you know, I'm not sure what to think about this game. Um I do think that, you know, the old high school teammates, McCord and Harrison, are really starting to click, and the Buckeyes seem to be peaking at the right time. Um, I know Michigan has won the past two in this rivalry, and they're coming off victories, you know, versus Penn State and Maryland on the road. But I I can't see them beating Ohio State three years in a row, um, especially with all the Harbaugh drama. So give me the Buckeyes in the big house. Okay. uh, Carlos Bradley, what are you thinking, Ohio State-Michigan? Well, should be a good game, hard fought, uh, top teams. I think I, I don't agree with the more pros at Michigan than Ohio State. I think Ohio State's talent is a little deeper. I think they haven't played their best game yet, and hopefully it will be Saturday. I think Marvin Harrison will have between 150, 200 yards receiving and show his worth, and I'm going Buckeyes. Okay. K-World, high noon shootout in the big house. What are you thinking? Yeah, it's going to it's gonna be a good one. It's going to be a good one. Old Nelly and, uh, and Keith Jackson's voice. Old Nelly. Um, <laughs> Old Nelly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I like this game, for, obviously. Um, you know what? This is going to be an interesting one. I want to take Michigan here um, because they're home, um, but there's no horrible. I don't know how much of a factor is, is that that's in there because of um, – uh, I can't. I don't know how I ever miss his name. The, the interim coach right now, um, but um, I like he like the way he has um, everyone playing. They're playing for coach. They're playing for one another, including Coach Harbaugh. Every time that they, you know they make a play, they think about Coach Harbaugh. I know he travels with them, even though he's in the hotel. So he has some say uh, for for the most part in this game. Um, I think they focus on Marvin Harrison Jr. and uh, they they um, they get it done because I just think that that hardball style of football is going to um, is going to be uh, the difference in this game. And then I'm talking about running the football and, and playing solid defense uh, as well. I think they have the better um, guys in the trenches, and that's where games are won and lost in the trenches. Uh, so I think Michigan gets it done in a big win here at home. Uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a great one though, but I, I like Michigan here uh, in a close uh, low scoring game for sure. Uh, Duck, uh, is there any truth to the uh, the rumor that uh, the Michigan coach is going to be wearing a lapel camera and, uh, and Harbaugh being in an office big screen with a transmitter? <laughs> the, the one with the flower with the sports water, right? <laughs> Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what do you think, Doug? 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he's, what he's going to be wearing, but anyway, I just think <laughs> this week uh, Coach Moore it will be crying for real. He ha- he have a real reason to cry. <laughs> okay. Let me stay with you, Doug. Uh, the Apple Cup, Washington, Washington State. They're playing in Seattle this time. Hey, look, I like I like Pennix, but I got I got a couple upset specials. I think Washington State is going to upset Washington. Oh. oh wow. Okay, Carlos, what do you think of Washington, Washington State? Well, here we go, in-state rivalry again. Um, and it should be hard fought. You know, it's going to come down to line play and big plays and which quarterback can stay up and who can stay clean. So, but I'm going to go with Pennick here. I'm going to go with Washington. Okay, okay, world, the Apple Cup. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, how high I am on Washington, so I'm going to continue to ride that Husky train. They're playing in Husky Stadium. You mentioned Seattle, Washington. Um, so I'm going to stay on my Washington Husky bandwagon and ride them until the wheels fall off. So I'm going to take Washington. I think they get it done. I think that defense continues to show up, and I think Pennick may um, put himself right there in the top one or two for the Heisman, uh, for the Heisman race right now, even though, uh, Daniels may have run away with that, if you will, <laughs> pun intended. Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I like I like Washington uh, in this game for sure. Doug Basil, they tell me I've never been there, but they tell me that's the, one of the loudest stadiums in the country there in Seattle. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> I've never been inside. I've been by there when I was in Seattle, um, but uh, I know it's a nice venue and. You know, it looks like the Apple Cup's going to – I think I saw that it's going to continue for the next five years, even though Washington's been moving to the Big Ten and Washington State is undetermined. Um, You know, Washington State's coming off that impressive win against Colorado. Um, And I know, like like, uh, Carlos said a couple of of, um, games ago, that's hard to predict rivalry games. But I think with it being in Seattle and, you know, the Huskies, I think they've had too much. And, uh, you know, just like last year, I think they'll beat the Cougs. Forgive me, the Huskies. Uh, Larry Tisdale, they're in Seattle. There are several things, I think, in uh, uh, the Huskies' favor this week. Uh, one of them is being in Seattle. Um, and the other is, is I think this would, as, as Dave said, I, this would be upset special on a normal basis, uh, playing your rivalry, your team. But if Washington is going to do it, they, I think they have way too much to lose whether it be the Heisman Trophy in the playoffs and, and, you know, the poll. Um, I expect Washington to come out clicking. Um, maybe, wow, maybe even a little of a runaway if Pennington and them could hit their, hit their stride. Um, but they, they better become prepared to play. But I think they have too much to lose not to play well. So I've got Washington running away with this one. Okay, let me stay with you, Larry. Uh, in my opinion, the best name for a rivalry game that's ever been invented, the Civil War. Oakland, uh, Oregon, Oregon and Oregon State. What are you thinking? Man, Oregon has played so well. Oregon State has always been high-powered. But Oregon, Oregon State just reminds me of a consistent team, you know, that if you leave an opportunity for them, they're going to play. I'm going to go with, uh, with Oregon State. Um, I think Bo Nix, uh, you know, probably runs out of a – it's Cooper this weekend um, playing against them, at least that's my, my hope. I like – and and typically I would pick Oregon, um, who, who I do like their program, but I'm going with Oregon State this weekend. 
Uh, I'm not even sure if that's an upset or not. I don't know who's ranked higher in that one. Okay. Uh, K World, uh, the the Civil War, okay. playing in Eugene. <laughs> yeah, I love the name too. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I, this is another good one. Obviously, um, I like I like Oregon here. I, I do like um, the third year, uh, the third year vet in the NFL. I, I mean, uh, the senior <laughs> <Bull> Nick. <laughs> um, I like him. He's been playing. He's been playing uh, really. Uh, a high power for, uh, football for uh, um, for sure. I mean, I guess he has to as long as he's been in the uh, in, in in college football. In I the guess league. He has a, yeah, in the league, right? Now you can put that in there too. As far as um, yeah, he's 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 got a grasp on uh, on the game. So um, I got, I like Oregon. I think it's going to be a high high scoring game. I, I, neither, neither one of these teams generally play good defense. Uh, you know, again, we mentioned the Pac-12, and, and the last thing you really talk about when you talk about Pac-12 matchups is their defense. Um, you talk about their offense, and I think both of these teams have uh, high-powered offenses. But I do like Bo Nix and, uh, and, and Oregon uh, in this game, uh, you know, to take it and stay in that hunt for, you know, you know a possible playoff uh, berth. <clears throat> uh, Doc Basil, is it Basil or Basil? I, it, it, correct me uh, on which one it is. <laughs> So the the truth is it's Basil, but okay. ever since okay. I came into West Virginia, people said Basil, so I've just uh, I've just adopted <laughs> that. I'll answer to anything if you get to call me for dinner, right? Civil War. You know, I think you know Oregon's one of the best teams in college football. Um, you know, with just one loss to Washington. And coming off a disappointing loss, uh, Washington, Washington, Oregon State rather at Washington home, I think it'd be hard for the Beavers to go on the road and and be the Oregon team that you know they have their eyes still on the college playoffs. I know Oregon State they they uh, they had their destiny in their hands that they would have beaten Washington last week and Oregon right. this week to uh, play for the Pac-12. But I think after losing last week, I think it's going to be tough for them to get ramped back up again, even though it is a big rivalry game. So I got the Ducks. Okay, Carlos, the Civil War. Yeah, we all love the name, right? Um, yeah, no in-state, in-state rivalry again. Um, you know, I, I got to go with Oregon. Um, Bo Nix is, you know, has hit his stride, looks good. And I'm, I'm not sold on the Oregon State quarterback. He makes some bad decisions. You know, I – I was trying to like him before, and he was playing well, but in tough spots, you got to make tough plays, and he seems to not yeah. do that. So That's I'm true. going with Oregon. Okay, Doc, the Civil War. I'm going with my man, Larry. I'm going with Oregon State. I just think that after that that Washington game, that they they have nothing to lose, and I think they would like nothing better than beat Oregon and knock them out of the playoff contention. Yeah. Okay, Doc Basil, let me come to you. Um, the, <laughs> we've had a, another in-state rivalry. I don't even know what they call this, but it's South Carolina and Clemson. I think South Carolina beat them last year at Clemson. Yeah. I think they did, too. I, I don't know what the name of it either. It, either I was trying to look it up, but uh, they don't even have one. <laughs> what you say? I would have thought that was the Civil War. Yeah, exactly. Right. 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 That, 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 more appropriate. that should be the Civil War. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, 
every time that we have South Carolina as a game to pick, I think the consensus is that we don't know which game to- Gamecock team is going to show up, and you can't trust them. So I'm thinking after they had a nice win against Kentucky last week, that they won't be able to duplicate it this week at home versus the Tigers. So I think I get Clemson on the road. Okay, Larry Tisdale, what do you think of South Carolina Clemson? Well, I, I think my pick is, might have to wait for this weekend until I give you the actual pick because that's okay. going to be based off of the rumor is the uh, president, the old President Trump is coming down to that game. Uh, oh, wow. So that's been con- yeah, so that's been confirmed. So whoever he's rooting for, uh, I, I got them losing. So. Okay. 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 Well, what do you think, South Carolina Clemson? Yeah, I looked it up while you guys were talking. They call it the Palmetto Bowl uh, between okay. Clemson and North okay. oh, Carolina. That's right. Just, that's just right. for future yeah. reference. I just had to look yeah, it up. I, I, didn't yeah. <laughs> I didn't know either. Yeah. I didn't know either. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm I'm going to go with Clemson. I, I think you know the Clemson uh, is a team. They're coming off of that big win uh, against uh, UNC last um, uh, last weekend, and South Carolina has been playing subpar football for the most part of the uh, of the season. I know they're at home. That crowd is usually, uh, you know, a frantic crowd, loud crowd. But I don't I just don't think they have enough talent, um, you know, there um, uh, to beat Clemson. So I'm going to go with uh, Clemson club, uh, you know, Kate Klubnick and uh, and those guys. I won't mention the coach's name because I think somebody mentioned his name earlier. I think they said Trump. Did, did they say? But um, same <laughs> thing, one of the same, one of the same. But anyway, I'm going to go with Clemson. I just think they're a better football team, uh, and they and, and they get it done uh, this weekend. Carlos Bradley, South Carolina Clemson. So you know, I, I played both of these schools when I was uh, in college, and yeah. I think that the heat runs so deep between these two schools. I think I mentioned it before that in the urinals at both schools is the opposing team. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so at Clemson, they got, wow. South Car- they got the Gamecock in the urinal, and at South Carolina, they got the Clemson Tiger in the urinal. So all year, <laughs> that's what you're doing on these two teams. I always thought that was interesting. That's a rival. Um, that's a rival. You know, we we I mentioned you know during the year Clemson didn't look like Clemson, but they started they started to look more like Clemson, playing tough defense, running the ball, making plays offensively. But then we never know which South Carolina team is going to show up. Are they going to be explosive? Are they going to hit play? Are they going to make plays? Is the defense going to show up? So I'm going to go with Clemson here. Uh, I think they've been playing the more consistent ball in the last three or four weeks and kind of building towards something. So I'm going to go with Clemson. Duck, South Carolina Clemson. I'm with uh, Larry and I'm with K-World because we both know that Dabo is a Trump guy, and Trump will be for Clemson, so I'm going South Carolina. <laughs> uh, of, of course, of course. Do you you know that the Clemson campus is built on a former plantation? But anyway, go ahead, Doug. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm, I'm gonna stay right with you, Tim, because I want to know uh, what pro games did you watch? 
Uh, unfortunately, I watched uh, the New York Jets, um, uh, and I don't know if you call that a pro performance or not, but um, uh, I, I checked that out. And Buffalo just they just dragged them up and down the field all night. Um, I, I'm really concerned about that whole franchise. I mean, great defense, and they're just wasting it. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is transferring there next year. Don't worry. <laughs> 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 oh, that's funny. All right. Uh, Carlo, what did you watch this weekend? I watched uh, Dallas beat up on a weak team, North Carolina again, which it seems to be their MO this year, beat up on weak teams. I feel sorry for Bryce Young. I wish he, uh, I wish they would roll him out more. They need to fire their offensive coordinator. Um, I think he needs to roll out more so he could – be down the field a little better and, and get some open receivers or just run the ball. Um, and also watch Denver and the Vikings, which, you know, I was pulling for my man Dobbs and um, didn't quite get it done. Wilson made a play at the end of the, end of the game to win it. So, um, but it was, a, it was a good game to watch. It was a good game to watch. Okay. Uh, Carlos, you brought us something interesting as far as firing as offensive coordinator, then they would have to fire the head coach, too. Yeah, he can go, too. He can go, too. Yeah, because he's, he's calling the plays now, Carlos. Yeah, he can uh, go, too, then. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I just I, don't I, know how you're going to – first of all, this guy looks so little back there, okay? How do you just insist on you have to be a drop-back quarterback? You know, how do you not roll out? See, people forget the quarterback, I think, who is the, the best ever, Joe Montana – his first four years, he was just rolling out, yep. throw one, throw throw one, or run the ball. And he grew. Throw one or throw two or run. And then it just grew like that. Why can't they do that with Bryce Young? Just roll his little behind out so he can see. <laughs> and his left guard is hard. All prototype All right. quarterbacks. All right, Larry, what you got for us? What did you watch? Yeah, I, I did see the uh, Vikings-Broncos game. I, I wanted to see Josh uh, perform well, but i got to be honest, I was rooting for Russell Wilson. Um, I think he's had some, you know, a, a lot of trash uh, thrown at him, and I still think he's a good quarterback. I thought that there were some issues with the coach um, throwing him out there, and they seem to be on the same page now. So watching that was a good game. And then I had a chance to watch some of the Titans-Jaguars. And Lawrence is uh, Trevor is coming around to being what we thought he was going to be, you know, the highest-rated uh, quarterback coming out of college for a long time. So I had an opportunity to see those two, and those are two main ones I watched. I did watch the Cowboys for Princess, see them beat up on the University of the Panthers, but I I know she's heard this. What you got, Doc? What you watch, Doc? Oh man. <laughs> yeah, I, I mainly watched the you know, the Vikings and the, the Broncos last night. Um, you know, it was kind of entertaining. Kind of went back and forth. Um, I thought Dobbs was gonna was gonna pull it out, um, but you know, Gussie rushed to do his thing to uh, do his little uh, balloon ball to get to for winning touchdown. Um, and then I, I watched the highlights of the the uh, Steelers and the uh, the Browns, and that was. It was, a, it was a tough watch. Um, you know, both the backup – let's say, um, take it to the starter. 
Um, but they, the, their, the quarterback play was, was something to be desired. And I think, uh, I, I think that at least Pittsburgh found, I think, a, at least a more explosive back um, because I think Najee Harris, he, he's not really getting it done. Um, but those are the kind of games that I watched the most yesterday. Okay, K. World, what did you watch? Yeah, outside of my 49ers and you know and, and the Bucks game, coach, um, I was tuning a little bit to the to the Texans and uh, and Cardinals game. I wanted to see C.J. Stroud and you know if he can stay consistent. You know, everyone's talking about him legitimately being in the playoff. I mean, the uh, MVP race. Wanted to see what uh, he would look like. Against, I know a Cardinals team is they're two and nine. I, you know, I get that. I just wanted to see what the matchup would be between him and Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray's coming back, came back from that, you know, that that knee injury. I wanted to see what that game was like. It lived up to the billing. Uh, C.J. Uh, C.J. Stroud uh, did exactly what he he's been doing for the majority of the, uh, of the uh, season, and that's leading the Texans uh, to a victory. And he was six and four. And also, someone mentioned the. Um, the Browns and Steelers game. I wanted to see what the Browns and Steelers game would look like because they had the rookie, meaning the Browns had the rookie there. And, you know, Pickett is, he, someone said it was their backup quarterback, but he's there. He's someone backup quarterback. He's not a starter. Yeah. Himself, as far as I'm concerned, but um, yeah, <laughs> no I doubt. knew this would be, yeah, I knew this would be a low scoring game and it, it was, and, yeah. and I knew the Browns would ultimately pull it out. And, and then that young rookie did exactly what he was, you know, projected to do. And that's not lose the game. So those are the games that I had my eye on. Okay, I want to come back to Larry. Well, okay, Larry, you beeping or making us go? Hmm. This one's for Princess, and this is in her favor. I'm finally really tired of watching the Kelsey Swift thing going on before <laughs> the Eagle game, Kansas City game. I'm tired of it. It's on Good Morning America. Yeah. So, yeah, but to Princess' point, I'm I'm about done with it. And again. This is going to be an ugly breakup when they finally break up. Okay. Uh, Carlos, you beefing or making us go? Hmm. No, I, I don't really have a lot this week. Um, what uh-huh. I talked about earlier with the uh, with the the calls and the refereeing, that was, that was pretty much my issue that which direction is the NFL going? Are you going to allow pros to be pros, or are you going to put them in skirts and flags and let them play some other kind of game? You know, they, they. it seems like if you think about this guy, remember when we were kids with the electric football game and how the oh, little yeah. man used to buzz around the field? It looks like they're trying to control the narrative so much that the no players doubt. end up being just robots moving around. Justin Fields said that, Early, you know, about a month ago, he feels like he's a robot because they're trying to make him do certain things and he can't perform naturally. So, um, I think the NFL needs to make a decision: do they want professional football or some other form of it? Yeah. Okay. Just want to make money. <laughs> All right, Doc, you beefing? I'm making us go. You know, Doc, I'm. Really neither this weekend, uh, this week, um, kind of on a sentimental st- I, This past weekend, I attended the uh, unveiling of my old coach, Don Nealon's name at uh, Milan Pushkar Stadium. So I'm, he was like 20 years at West Virginia. So I'm giving a nod to kind of, I know like, you know, there's not a lot of old coaches that coach for long durations now, but 
giving a nod to the the most tenured coaches now, Kirk Ferentz, he's got 24 years, Gundy, 18 years, Whittingham, 18, um, and the Sabans, and they were 16. So give me kind of a nod to the old tenured coaches um, based on my my Don Nealon this weekend. Okay. Uh, K-World, you're beefing or making us go, hmm. Coach, this may be a combination of both, but I, I'm going to go with, with the Bears and um, what the, the report that came out and said that um, they're going to evaluate Justin Fields alongside some of these uh, quarterbacks that are coming out in this year's draft. Now, I don't understand how you can do that, so I'm mad at the fact that they're going to have a guy like that, second-year, third-year starter, who has proven himself this year. If he can just stay healthy, I think, and put in a better in a better system, you can right. prove that he is a franchise a franchise quarterback. So I'm beefing there, Coach. And also I'm saying, hmm, are you that bad of an organization that you have a third-year starter and you have to evaluate him versus some talent that's coming out of the uh, coming out of college now? So it's a combination of both, coach. So it's mm, and I'm beefy, coach, for sure. <laughs> uh, Tim, take us home with it. You're beefing or making us go? Hmm. Oh, I'm beefing. I'm, I'm beefing. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm beefing. <laughs> Oh, wow. Well, 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 well. Let me let me say hmm before I go because I'm 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 wondering <laughs> if Carlos has changed his medication because we haven't heard the No Balls Award given to anybody. This season. <laughs> but, oh. but, but anyway, I'm beefing. Uh, I, I mentioned that I lived in Columbus for ten years. Those are the most. I was a Buckeye fan. I, uh, you know, before I went, before I lived there, uh, they are the most delusional fans in the world. <laughs> And that university, that university thinks they own college football. They think they're going to win a national championship every year, even when they have bad teams, even when Earl Bruce and, and Cooper were there. Um, you know, I look at all of these rivalry games, and as I mentioned, when I was there, it was the Michigan-Ohio State game. It was Michigan week, you know, in Columbus. You've got these great rivalries, the Apple Cup in Washington. You've got the Iron Bowl down in Alabama. You've got the Red River Shootout that they held in, in Dallas every year. And my favorite, the Civil War. <laughs> Michigan and Ohio State have the audacity to try to call that now, after all these years, the game. No, historically, the game is Harvard and Yale. And the big game is, is Stanford and Cal. So don't just because you're the biggest and most financially stable athletic departments in the country just decide all of a sudden you're just going to take somebody else's name and call your game yeah. that. No. No. That's what I'm beefing about. You're not huh? the game. <laughs> Tell us how you feel. Alright, <laughs> <laughs> okay, world. Alright, take us home, okay, world. Yes, sir. All right. Great stuff again, ladies and gentlemen. That's the uh, professional contributors with the uh, with host David Riley, Tim Moore, also guests uh, Doc Basil, Larry Tisdale, Will Harris, and Carlos Bradley, and myself, Kevin Walker. It was an honor of filling in for Princess Cooper. She'll be back next week, and now uh, they'll be talking to you then, God willing. All right. So everyone have a great and safe, uh, happy Thanksgiving to everyone and their families uh, for sure. Talk to you guys next week. Be good, friends. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Be good.